Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast Beautiful You. I am your host Amantika. Thank you so much for being with us here today. In today's episode, we have a really interesting guest with us. Her name is Paris. She's the host of the podcast Live Well Bipolar. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 1 when she was 19. We have a really interesting conversation not just about her own mental health journey, but also about how she started her own podcast and how she's managing it well today. So, if you enjoy it, do let us know. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment about what resonates with you the most and if you're watching um listening to this on Spotify, if you like the episode, do leave us a rating. It does help us to, you know, reach out to other fellow listeners. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it and if you want to reach out to us on Instagram or email, everything will be linked in the description below. So, thank you for being here again and I hope you have fun. another episode of the podcast beautiful you i'm your host avantika today we have a beautiful guest with us her name is paris prilkevich she's the host of top 2% globally ran podcast on live well bipolar she's the best selling author of her memoir called crooked illness lessons from inside and outside hospital walls she was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 1 at 19 and she went back to work at the same hospital she was a patient at when she was 20 She is a speaker for NAMI and she has been featured on ABC 15, BP Hope Magazine and over 50 podcasts sharing her experiences living with bipolar and how it is possible to live well with bipolar. Welcome Paris. Thank you so much for being here today. Avansika, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get into this conversation with you after talking with you yesterday and sharing your story on my podcast. So, I can't wait to just talk about whatever it is that you want to ask. I absolutely I'm I'm really glad that you're here and we're recording this um episode today and I just want to dwell into you know everything that has to do with your daily life um living with bipolar the podcast you recently got married so congratulations for that thank you how have you been what have what, what has been up Yeah, so I've been good. Yeah, so just like you said, there's been a lot of things happening that have been really good lately. So, I got married in March, and then in April, my husband and I bought our house. We both had our birthdays. Thank you. So, it's been yeah, so literally every single month it's been something. So, wedding in March, house we bought in April, then in May through June, we did our honeymoon. So, we went to Italy, Greece, and Paris, and then in July I came back well we were back end of June but started a new job in July so all, like basically all of 2023 has been new new beginnings and I'm super excited just to kind of get into that because something else that I've been working on too is getting back to the podcast cuz I did take a little break with the wedding just tr- getting prepared for that moving the honeymoon all of that stuff and it's super nice to do that just to kind of give yourself time to just be in the moment with what's going on be fully present for that time instead of you know constantly like like i'm going to do this or i'm going to you know do this episode or all of these things are coming up so really giving yourself that time to be present in the moment and i would say lately i've been focused on getting back to work with nami going getting back into volunteering getting back into just sharing a little bit about my experiences and just some different events for um sharing my book and different things like that but 
yeah, other than that, I'm super excited to be here and speaking with you today. That is wonderful. That is a lot of things that I'm genuinely so happy for you. And I hope the rest of the year is even like more amazing. Um, yeah. Congratulations on the wedding. And we saw, I saw the Instagram pictures from your honeymoon. They look amazing. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was my first time in Europe. So I we went to, it was Florence, Venice, and Rome, and then Milos, Mykonos, Santorini, and Paris. And it was super cool because um, me and my sisters were all named after cities. So I'm Paris, and then Sydney, Vienna, and Milan are my sisters. So I did stop in Milan on the way to go to Italy. So it was cool to just kind of see more of the world and just get a different experience and just learn new culture and you know be in different environments so it's a really really cool experience that is wonderful so that um i wanted to ask to start off with how did live well bipolar your podcast come into existence yeah that's a really good question because for me i started the podcast in february of 2020 so it was literally you guys right right before the pandemic started and I actually started the podcast initially to tell my story for the first time, to talk about my experience being diagnosed with bipolar. I was diagnosed at 19 years old, and then I went back to work at the same hospital where I was a patient at when I was 22. So I wanted to share what what my experience has been like being on both sides, right? So what is it like to be a patient in the system and then also go back and work? there to learn more about how to help others in that way. And that's really what I did. So I started the podcast and for the OG listeners, it was Crooked Illness because I did not know what to call it. I was like, I just hit record. I downloaded this app called Anchor and I just hit record. And I said, I'm just going to talk about a little bit of my story. And that's what it was. And I got the name Crooked Illness from my book that I was working on. So I was writing a book, but I wasn't really planning on publishing it, sharing it. It was more just kind of like me listing out just different events that had happened just to kind of have something to look back on. But that's really what I started on is to share my story. And then also it ended up turning into this platform to really have other people come on like you that we did yesterday on your story. So have other people come on, share their experiences, their stories, living with bipolar and just what the reality is. What does it look like? what are the bad times, the challenges, and what has been helpful for you? So just really creating a space to really see more of things that do work and do help. That is wonderful. Um, talking to people about it and, you know, having actual real conversations with people who are living with bipolar is it gives you a lot of insight into what it feels like to live with bipolar because it's different for everyone. So You've been doing it for three years now. That's insane. That's that's a lot of episodes. How many episodes have you published so far? 160. Wow. 160. <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. Uh what would what would you say would be your biggest takeaway from all these episodes and all the guests that, that you have had uh, on the podcast so far? Yes, I would say the biggest takeaway for me is that everyone's story is so individual and what works for one person doesn't work for the next person. And that's what I've learned from each story is that there's something out there that works for everyone. And the solution for this person might not be a fit for you, but 
there's something that you will find and come across that you're like, hey, this is something I tried that has really helped me with managing a struggle that I'm facing, right? So when you're talking about being newly diagnosed, or maybe you've you've had a diagnosis of bipolar for 10, 20 years, and you're like, hey, I stumbled upon something, or you know, you want to share your story with therapy or medications or some kind of treatment that you've been part of. And that's really what the podcast has shown me. So doing all of these episodes, all of these conversations, I've really seen that everyone has something out there that will help them. So it's worth sharing it. That's really insightful. Um, Yeah. So you were diagnosed with bipolar when you were 19. How did you get the diagnosis? Like, how did you get the diagnosis? Did you run us through that journey? Yeah, so I was diagnosed at 19 years old, but before I was diagnosed with bipolar 1 at 19 years old, I was hospitalized during that time when I got the diagnosis. But when I was 16, I got my diagnosis of depression. So that was, and I got the diagnosis by going, I had a therapist that I was seeing and then got referred to a psychiatrist, then got the diagnosis there. And I was on different kind of medications. So there's like, I think seven different ones total that I took. Um, different kinds of medications, antidepressants. But then I didn't get my diagnosis until of bipolar one until I was 19. And after learning about my story and, you know, writing the book and everything, I really see the reason for that because I always would think about, okay, this is a misdiagnosis, which it was, but I never had mania until I was 19. So 16 years old is when, because that's all I had was depression. So 16, 17, 18 years old was all depression. And then when I was 19 is when I first had my manic episode. And that's when I was hospitalized. And that was a very severe episode in psychosis. And it was for, it was over a period of months, very like high highs. And then like it would kind of go down a little bit. But I just remember... I was working two jobs. I just like endless energy, always on the run, going, 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 like not being able to slow down. Just when you kind of everything you look up, different symptoms of bipolar, like when you go and Google and you type in it, you see rapid speech, you know, grand grandiosity, um, hypersexuality, like all of these things that I was doing that, that was hurting myself. But I just kept running. That sounds a lot at nineteen to deal with all of these things. So when you got the diagnosis, like what was your initial reaction and thought process? Yeah. So when I initially got the diagnosis, I remember thinking about it for a while. I was like, I think that this could be something that is that I'm dealing with because I have a history of it in my family. But I remember every time I would try to talk about like, I'm like, oh, well, this person in our family has this diagnosis of bipolar. Like I probably what if I do too, because I feel like I'm I would Google it and I'm like, I see this might seem similar, but I remember talking about it in therapy before I was diagnosed and they're like, no, you don't have that because they were like, you're doing good in school. You're getting straight A's. You're working two jobs. You have a like basically on paper, everything looks good. Like you look healthy, normal. There's nothing out of the blue that seems unusual except for everything I was experiencing inside of my mind and myself I'm like I'm I'm like this isn't normal to I'm like I can't slow down I'm like constantly going I'm like avoiding really addressing tra- like trauma and talking about things but on the outside because you know when we think about 
bipolar, you think, okay, like you need to have a breakdown. You need to have like, there's a moment where then, then people on the outside can see, okay, this is real. But I feel like it wasn't, it didn't look real to the outside world because I wasn't sharing what I was experiencing. I was just kind of running away from it until my hospitalization on when just everything came out and you know i was i was faced with you know you can either address this and try to you know find something that works or just keep living the way that you are and running into the same roadblocks over and over again i like how there were so many obstacles to it and you recognized it and eventually like you had mentioned that you went back to work at the same hospital when you were uh 22 so that that would seem like a full circle moment how did um how did that experience, you know, uh, go for you? How was that experience? Yeah, so it definitely was because I feel like I was, I remember graduating from from college and I had like, you know, diff, obviously trying to find a job, you're doing all these interviews and things like that. And I remember there was other places I could have gone and worked, but I remember I was like, oh, like, I think I, this would be good because, you know, maybe I could, you know, learn more about how to help when, you know, I wish I had someone who could help me back in that time. So I really enjoyed it because it was it was so nice to be able to be able to work with people and just like see what their experiences are and try to give more resources. But for me, it was definitely difficult and challenging because, to you know, I was the youngest person there. Um, people were, you know, constantly just not happy with their job working there because they were constantly burned out, overwhelmed, very stressed because you're because you're it's it's a job where there's high turnover and, and like you're you could be a new person coming in and you're they just give you they're like here you go talk to these people and it was hard for me to like because they would say okay this person's a you know like a, a member or like a patient but I always wanted to call them by their name instead of just saying patient or this you know because it was hard because I was that person I was one of those those people so I liked it because it was nice to be able to like give encouragement to people who they're not usually given that, you know, especially in a system like you're kind of like, okay, here's your medicine and here's your appointment. What are you like? It's very like black and white. You don't really take the time to get to know the person and like what they're passionate about, you know, really get to hear them out because you have so many people that you need to see and talk to. It's like very limited. So I didn't really like that about it, but I feel like that's why I got into, and this is, I, I didn't tell my story or anything at this time. So I didn't do any of that until after, but I feel like that's what made me want to start the podcast. So I can say, okay, there has to be more out there. There has to be more people out there who have found things that work because I was constantly seeing things that don't work or like frustration and like very, just a lot of um, people like feeling like nothing's helping and I could understand that because I that's how I felt when I was a patient because you aren't really given the tools or anything to to really heal and do it on your own you're kind of it's like a band-aid like take the take this medicine go to these appointments and then that's it so I wanted to learn more about how do you actually live well bipolar and that's why I decided to create the podcast and then just learn more about it because I, I just thought I'm like there has to be more out there that definitely seems like a full circle movement I'm 
Yeah, I'm so glad that um, you got that experience and from that, that is how the podcast helped because I did go through a lot of your episodes and I can see that these are the things which actually make impact. The guests that you have on the podcast, they are they have a platform to share their experiences and it is empowering not just for them, but also other people who are part of the community. And, you know, it helps people have hope. Um, which brings me to my next question. I wanted to ask, when during the moments when, you know, when maybe when you were diagnosed or diagnosed for a while and then there's there always like comes a moment where we start start to sort of lose hope uh when we don't try find the right treatment for us what doesn't work for us because it's 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 difficult to find the right treatment the right support um what would you say to someone who has been struggling with you know finding the right treatment or the things that actually work for them yeah so i would say that person to give yourself more grace and, you know, really let yourself have the opportunity to understand that. Because I know for me too, like it took me years because part of the part of what it was going on is I didn't really give myself the opportunity to even gain awareness into what I needed to work on. So I would say to that person who is in that position to really just get get clear on where you are right now. Start with today, not with tomorrow. Start with where you are today, what you're dealing with right now. If it helps for you, write it out on paper. Like every every problem, every obstacle, every issue that you're comfortable putting down. And then what life do you want? Like you need to say like, okay, where do I want my life to go? What do I see my future? Like what do I want it to look like? And even if you're like, this is this would never happen. I could never have these things. You You still are available to do that. You just have to be able to create it and like kind of get clear on it. So I would tell that person to really just get it all out, get clear on it, get clear on what's going on right now, and then try to identify patterns, right? So for me, I had patterns of unhealthy relationships, really negative self-talk, um, just g- running away from things, going out, partying, drinking, and different things like that. So notice what your patterns are and then how do you feel when you're actually happy? What are you doing? So just getting clear, getting the awareness, and then giving yourself the opportunity to go through that in the timeline that it's happening. It doesn't have to be in one year I need my life figured out or whatever it is, you know? So just really giving yourself grace and the opportunity to find out what even is going to work for you. I wish I had told that to my younger self. You know, giving yourself grace and identifying the patterns are is so crucial in this journey i um i love how you touched upon both of it being patient with yourself we had discussed it on your podcast earlier it's you know being patient with yourself is so important and being compassionate and kind to yourself is so important during these things because it's confusing and it's messy and it's chaotic uh at the start when you don't have the right treatment or don't understand what's happening but yeah start today and not tomorrow i absolutely love that um yeah thank you um giving yourself that really resonated with me, honestly. And I, <laughs> I love that. So as someone um, with bipolar, I have seen that when I get too much euphoria from work or if I'm achieving like one good thing in the next or the next right thing or stuff like that, but I have, uh, when I get like too much boost basically from my work, it might lead me into a hy- hypomania because of type 2. Um, it might lead me into hypomania. So how do you manage those episodes during major life changes like getting married, honeymoon, the podcast reaching new milestones, you know, getting your book out, uh, all of these things that you've achieved? 
how do you manage your episodes during uh, these times? Yeah. So what really helps me is having the support, right? So first, the support starts with myself and then also with my support group. So my husband, family, my therapist, um, my doctor, so all of those people. And what really helps me too is like journaling. So every single day, like writing out how I'm feeling either this morning or from the day before, and then just having that to reflect back on. So that's really what has been like the most helpful for me is the big piece was the support piece. And then also being giving myself grace and then taking breaks, right? So that's what I do even now, right? So obviously going through everything, the the wedding, buying the house, you know, leaving a job, starting a new job, the podcast, the book, like everything, really just being able to say, okay, he, and that's what I did. I took a break from the podcast, but it was hard, but I knew I needed to do this to take care of myself instead of continuing to just push, push, push. So really understanding your boundaries and knowing that you can say no to things and it's it's you prioritizing your mental health. That is wonderful. What are some of your non-negotiables to maintain a consistent lifestyle? I love that question because when it comes down to the non-negotiables for me, that it would be sleep is number one. So just making sure that I'm getting enough sleep, I'm giving myself the time to feel rested. And then another one would be moving. So movement, so exercise, either going on a walk, working out, some kind of like movement just to get out and either getting outside or something like that at the gym. And then my third one would be reflection. So for me, what that is, is journaling, gratitude, expressing gratitude, because starting that practice has really helped me cut back on so much of the negative self-talk that I would have by appreciating my life and saying, this is the life that I wish that I had 10 years ago. Like think about yourself when you were younger. And if you can see yourself today, I bet you there's one thing you can celebrate. You know, there like even if you're sitting there like I can't pick a bunch of things, you can celebrate one thing. You can say I'm proud of myself for graduating college. I'm proud of myself for, you know, like being able to get this job that I have. I'm proud of myself for my relationship. You know, whatever it is, it could be big, small because just giving yourself that is huge. So sleep, moment and reflection, these are the things which are non-negotiables for you. That's wonderful. I yeah, there is always like one thing because when you look back, what was your ten-year-old self wanted to do, or fifteen-year-old self wanted to do, and there's always like one thing like you're you're living the life that you've wanted in one way or the other, and if that is not the position, we could always like you know execute things and prioritize our actions in a way that we continue to live into our purpose. So I love that. Um, so I wanted to talk about your book a little bit. And I wanted to ask, what were, so could you tell us a bit about your journey with just writing the memoir? And how, you know, you mentioned that it was uh, an about to tell your story and you weren't initially going to publish it. Um, so how did, how did, you know, it start and how did you decide on publishing the memoir? I love that question because that's how it started. So it started for me as almost like a journal, just me writing and recording, you know, here's what's happened in like a timeline. And what really got me to wanting to publish the, my memoir was the podcast. So I feel like once I started the podcast, I shifted more away from just me, like solo episodes to actually having guests come on. And I feel like after doing, you know, over a hundred and well, 
I published a book almost, it was almost two years ago. So after like over a hundred episodes, you could say. So over a hundred interviews, I feel like what I started to see was my guests coming on and, and many of them have written like three, four, five, six books, right? And I see and like you start to change your environment. So it goes into changing your environment. When you're around people who have done the thing that you would think, you know, I would like to do this one day, you see it's a possibility for you. You start to believe that this could, I could do this too. Like I talked to this person who's an author and this person and this person and this person, you start to change your thought process. So I started to do those, to to read the books of the people that I interviewed. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, look at their story. Like if they can do it, I can do it. And I feel like I got the encouragement from my guests who turn into friends of mine and they would tell me like, yes, publish your book. And I feel like the, that's what it, uh, that's really what got me to publish it is just, and that's what I, I would like to relate to mental health is it's your environment. Once you change your environment, you will no longer tolerate or accept the circumstances that you used to because you'll start to see that you have, you're worth more and you're deserving of, you know, celebrating yourself and sharing your story. So it's what really got me to publish it was, changing the environment and just getting it getting it to work oh that is wonderful so your hospital days uh you working back at the hospital that pushed you to you know publish a podcast and that you know helped you get to the book it's all if you like look, uh, look back on it it's like one thing leads to another you could always join the dots i absolutely love that what was the biggest challenge you faced during the book like what are the uncomfortable things or like difficult moments uh, that you wrote about? So for me, the most difficult moment that I wrote about in the book was talking about going through sexual assault. So talking about my experience with that at 15 years old, like almost reliving it. And that's when I decided to go back to therapy even before writing the book. I was like, I want to prepare for this because it's almost like I'm unpacking a lot of trauma especially when you're talking about things that are very triggering so i do have a trigger warning on the in the book like i i say that i talk about like suicide um suicide attempt like talking about like sexual assault and things like that just so people are aware of it before they read it um if they have are going through that or haven't processed what they're needing to do for first before they read my story but i would definitely say that was the biggest challenge for me is just re like just sharing that experience because it was hard to even talk about in the first place when that even happened but then writing it and then putting it into paper and something that people can read and hold in their hands and really see this is like how this event impacted me and like changed my trajectory so that was definitely the biggest challenge but I feel like it was also the biggest thing that I needed to do to be able to move on and heal and really do the work to overcome a lot of the things that I held with that experience. Writing about all the experiences that unpacking your past healed parts of you that, you know, you didn't realize would be healed in a way that is, um, yeah, that is profound. And I can imagine it makes you feel very vulnerable to put yourself out there. Thank you for putting all the work that you're doing, because this is something that needs to be talked about a lot more. And, we need more people like you who put themselves out there and talk about these things because it makes you realize that you're not alone. Anyone else who reads the book, I'm sure you would have, you have had way too many debuts when people, you know, told you that they read your book or listened to the podcast and they felt relatable or they felt like they belonged somewhere or they weren't alone. 
So yeah, thank you for doing that. Um, of course. So in uh, in your book, you had mentioned an interview episode where uh, you were asked, "What does resilience mean to you?" So I wanted to know more about. Oh, I love that. And yes, so resilience to me means being able to, because I've heard this, the way people say it is bounce back. So you bounce back from what you are stuck in. So to me, being resilient means being able to get yourself unstuck from what you told yourself you couldn't get out of, or you couldn't change, or you couldn't move forward. So we all, I feel like we all have those moments where we tell ourselves like, this is where I am and I'm going to stay here. Nothing's going to get better you know, people don't care or all these things that we can say. But for me, resilience is really being able to get yourself unstuck from what you are dealing with, struggling with, and really being able to look back and say, hey, here's the progress that I made. It means being unstuck. That's very profound. So uh, throughout your process, you might have people who, you know, who weren't particularly very encouraging of it, or maybe your self-doubt came in um, into picture when, before starting, let's say, your podcast or the book. So how did you come across, uh, how did you get over that self-talk and how did you come across um, with, with, with like the things that you've published? So how did you get over your self-doubt? Yeah, so what really helped me get over my self-talk was first, understanding what it looked like. So I first needed to kind of write out the things that I would I was commonly saying, right? So cuz I feel like a good way to look at it is I used to walk into a room, right? If I would go to like an event or something or like even if it's like at school or like when I was back in in college or something, um going into like a lecture hall or something and you and maybe you're new, you don't know anyone, and my thought process would automatically be everyone's judging me you know, constantly negative. So you walk in the room and it's like, you don't know anyone, they're all strangers. And you instantly go to, oh, like no one likes me. They're all judging me. Like my outfit looks weird. My hair looks weird. Something's wrong with me. You know, they're not going to like me. And I, and you almost like paralyze yourself with that. So that was what I started to recognize. And then really being able to change that to where now today, when I walk into a room, I see it as an opportunity to connect with new people and then also the thing is too, is a lot of our thoughts and stories we tell ourselves, people don't know those and they don't know about it. So there's no truth to it. There's no like thing to back it and say, this is true. Like everyone in this room is against you or doesn't like you. And that's really the perception I had because I feel like I was conditioned that way from being in a lot of like unhealthy relationships, not taking care of myself. And when you live that way for so long, that is the thought process you have. So what helped me get over that self-talk was first identifying, okay, this is what it sounds like. This is what I'm saying to myself. And then saying, what are the alternatives? You know, what is, you know, because everyone has their own thing they're going through, right? When you go into your room, maybe this person in this room, like you might think, oh, they don't like me or they hate me because something, right? And I still do this today. Like I'll stop myself because an example you can even give is if you text someone, right? And you text someone and you say, oh, they haven't answered me all day. They probably don't like me or they're mad at me or they hate me or something. And then really, like, I've had that happen and someone will respond back and say, hey, so sorry, I missed this. I didn't mean to ignore you. I, you know, I got caught up with this. And really, that's the reality. But we tell ourselves something and we make it a reality when it's not. So for me, what helped me with my self-talk was 
identifying those patterns and then getting into gratitude. So starting to shift my focus because I was so focused on this is going to go wrong or this sucks or this isn't right or all of these things. Instead of that, I started to shift my focus onto what is coming up that I'm excited for? What am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? So like simple things like having a house, you know, having been able to go to school and like the list gets, then as the more you do that, the list gets longer and longer. So really just starting there. First, get identify how you're speaking to yourself. Start to come up with alternatives to that. And then give yourself the opportunity to celebrate yourself, celebrate your progress, and then acknowledge how far you've come and what you have coming up. I love how the shift is completely from your self-doubt to gratitude. Uh, because I just recently read that your brain can't have both anxiety and hope or like gratitude function at the same time. So if your anxiety and self-doubt is coming up, look for ways that you're grateful for and that will calm the system down, your nervous system down. So I absolutely love how you had this whole complete mindset shift, which, you know, serve you in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to ask you one more thing that what would you say to someone who has been newly diagnosed with bipolar? Yeah, so what I would say to someone who has been newly diagnosed is to to understand how they feel. So I'd first ask them like what do you like what is your thoughts on this? Like what do you feel about it? Because I know for me I can share, hey, when I was first diagnosed, I was not sure. I didn't feel like I knew where to turn. I didn't feel supported. I didn't know if it was truly like what was going on or not. Um, So I'd want to see where they're at and like how they feel about it. And then I would want them to know that this isn't some, this is something that everyone has something in their life, whether it's bipolar or another mental illness or something that they have in their life that is going to be there. It's going to be part of what makes up who they are as a person, but it's not who, it's not everything. It's not, it's not going to eat up your entire identity. It doesn't have to be part of your identity. So instead of, you know, saying, you know, I have bipolar or I'm bipolar, you know, you can say you live with it or, you know, being able to separate yourself from it. And then also there's things that you can do differently to take better care of yourself that I would have never even come across if I was never diagnosed bipolar. So I can say, you know, this is also an opportunity for you to really put your mental health first and reevaluate the way you live your life to really have a better life in the first place. So you don't always have to look at it as a death sentence and something that is really, really bad, but also an opportunity for what can I do better or differently to really take care of myself in ways that I'm not right now. That is wonderful. It's one of the things that had helped me as well because I resonate with, with what you said. The inner talk, I uh, I never use the word I am bipolar. I would always say I was diagnosed with it or I live with it or and maybe I would say I have bipolar, but I would never say I am bipolar because it's not a part of the identity. So the inner talk and the way you talk to yourself with regards to these things really res- uh, determine how you are going to, you know, treat yourself when it comes to an association with bipolar. And plus, if you get a diagnosis, it's just more information to help you understand how to treat yourself better. So I absolutely love that you mentioned about re-evaluating your priorities and putting your mental health first. It does not have to be a death sentence. Yeah, that is 
that is i i really resonate with that um so is there anything else that i missed out on uh that you would wanted to talk about or what did something you do ask you about so i would say i think we really got covered at all just like the whole timeline history so i would say if there wasn't anything that we didn't touch on i would think one of the things could be like how i live with bipolar today so i think the biggest difference from like when i was first diagnosed to today is just really tracking my habits which is something that i just sort of taught like i i've been doing it but i haven't been recording it so it's almost been a month and i i talk about this a little bit um i have an episode on my podcast about it but why you should track your habits when you're living with bipolar so you know, to help you with your sleep, you know, to track your, you know, are you getting enough water? Are you taking your medications? Um, are you reading? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you filling your mind with things that are going to help you? And um, just being able to see what you're doing. So you can look back and say, it's like check, little check boxes. So you can check the boxes and things like that. So I would say that is something that is a huge tool that's really helped me like this entire past month, just be able to have more insight into how I'm feeling and how I'm doing and everything like that. So that is wonderful. Um, what what are you most looking forward to moving forward? So I'm most looking forward to getting back to conversations like this because I was gone for the wedding, for everything that we talked about earlier, like getting the house, honeymoon, new job, all those things that were different life changes. I'm super excited to get back into the podcast and having other people sharing the stories, having more conversations like these, because these conversations really have been a huge help to me, but also to people who can tap into them as well. So that's really what I'm excited about is just getting back to the podcast, getting back to, you know, more events. I know just sharing my book with more people as well. Um, so yeah, just, you know, being able to talk more about these things I'm super excited about. I am so excited to watch you grow as well. And I can't wait to watch consume more of your content. This helps a lot. So where can people find you? Yes. So you guys can find me. The number one place is Instagram. So it's live well bipolar. And on my Instagram, there's a link there where you can get access to the podcast, my book. Um, there's a little article just breaking down who I am, but we basically covered in this episode today. But that's the number one place to reach me is in that um, Instagram, shoot me a message. Everything is there. Um, and I've really loved this conversation. I can't wait to have more. And that's where you guys can find me at in, um, Live Well Bipolar on Instagram. I'll be linking all our social media down in the description. Thank you so much, Paris, for your time. And thank you for being here. It was a wonderful time getting with you and your journey. And I'm really excited to see what the rest of the year brings it, brings for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Avantika, for having me on. It was so great talking with you and being able to be part of this conversation. Thank you. And so thank you for everyone who has listened to this episode. Um, we really appreciate it. If you want to reach out um, to me on Instagram, our Instagram is at the ratebeautifulyou.pod. And we, you can also reach us out on email. Everything will be linked in the description below. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, if you like this episode, give uh, do give it a review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do comment down below what was your biggest takeaway from this episode. And yeah, all the links for Paris, um, Paris' social media will be down in the description. So you can check it out. And I'll see you guys next episode. I love you. Bye. Bye.